Okay, here we go. She Runs Ultras episode number seven. And in this episode, I really want to start to talk about what I'm doing for my training and what I'm noticing in myself as I kind of start this process. Because, you know, back when I started this whole podcast, that was the point that I wanted to really document my training and how things were going to go for me over the course of this next year. So... I'm in this phase of training where I'm doing more thrashing around than I am actual training. I actually just did a live stream with the ladies in my private Facebook group kind of talking about this concept. And I find that I do more of this when I'm trying to get back into the swing of things, working on a training schedule, figuring out what workouts to do, kind of you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I define thrashing as this whole process of getting a plan, setting a schedule, developing the habits, doing the work, running into the obstacles, and figuring out ways to go over, around, under, or through them, right? And I feel like this is the hardest part of training. It's this beginning phase. And, you know, it's not like I haven't been here before. I've been here many times before, but coming back and starting over is always a bit of a struggle. And one of the things that I think about all the time is that every time I'm coming back and starting over, it's with a whole, it's kind of a whole new ball game. It's a new year. Things have happened, new set of circumstances, nothing is ever the same. (laughs) So, you know, this idea of, well, I'll just use the training plan that I used last year, or I'll do things the same way that I did last year, that might work in the beginning. And it might be what you want, because it's the most familiar, but it's not necessarily going to be the best route. So while this phase of thrashing can be really uncomfortable and kind of unnerving, I've come to kind of like it, (laughs) I guess in some silly, maybe even like sick, weird way. But because I know that I'm going through the process, like I'm working out all of the, you know, logistics now versus, you know, later on down the line when it's going to get much harder for me to work out those logistics. I hope that makes sense. But sometimes I even think that because I've done this so many times before, and maybe you guys can relate, that I shouldn't have to keep going through this struggle or that I should have it figured out by now. And I've I've been noticing just some of those thoughts kind of pop up as I'm out doing my workouts over the last couple of weeks. But like I said, then I cycle back to what I said before, which was every time I begin again, start a new training year, I'm coming at it with a new perspective. Like that stuff has happened and and I have to work on incorporating new and different things in order for me to work, for it to work this time around. So this idea that I would have it nailed down perfectly, like I could just, you know, like it's a book off the shelf and I could just pull it down, open it up to page one and execute everything the exact same way that I've done every single time I've taken this book down. 
is ridiculous. <laughs> right? So, and I think this is the phase that a lot of people get caught up in. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to structure their world, how to bounce back when stuff goes wrong. Um, if they skip a few days or miss a couple workouts, their training kind of just fizzles out and they fall off the wagon. And unfortunately, what happens more times than not is they just call it quits altogether. They think that, well, if I haven't been able to do it by now, then what makes me think I'm going to be able to do it going forward? And I I think that's an unfortunate thing to have happen. And I also think it's really mindset driven. So whenever I start again, I always have to remind myself of this. This is a known entity. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to, you know, it's going to feel like I'm just flailing around, thrashing for a while, and then things will start to settle down and I'll find my groove. I just have to push through. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm finishing up this step challenge that I've been doing for the last couple of months. It's going to, I'm going to stop at the end of this month and then I'm going to launch into my actual run training plan. And as promised, I'm going to share that plan kind of as best as I can here on the podcast. I'm kind of a visual person, so it's easier for me to talk about my training plan when I can look at my calendar. So I'm going to pull it up here. And I talked about how to put together a training plan back in episode five. So if you're interested in how to start writing your own plan, definitely go back and check that episode out. Because I don't have any races on the calendar until later in the year, this first phase of my training is all about building my base. And this is why the step challenge made so much sense. I really wanted to take the time to build up time on my feet before I launched into running, which honestly, I haven't done much of since early 2020 when the pandemic hit and things were going on lockdown. And then I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate to this. I just kept getting notification after notification that all of my races were getting shut down. And since I'd had a pretty heavy year in 2019, just in terms of races and mileage and all that stuff, I didn't feel bad about taking a little more time off in 2020. So I kind of just let my running fizzle out, did more walking, did more mobility, did more strength kind of stuff. And it's one of the things that I'm most cognizant about is injury prevention as much as that's possible. And one simple way to avoid injury is to build slowly. So rather than launch headfirst into a super heavy training plan, and since I have the time, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to work on my steps, work on building time on my feet first, and then move into to doing more run training. Honestly, I think one of the worst things that you can do is <laughs> get all excited about your training and then launch into your training plan, go full steam ahead, pile on the miles right out of the gate, because that's really going to lead to really feeling it. And by that, I mean, you know, you're going to start to find aches and pains. I've seen recently a lot of posts about shin splints and foot pain and low back pain and just people are starting to feel the effects of jumping right into their training for 2021 and going full steam ahead just like I said piling on the miles right out of the gate maybe you've already experienced this (laughs) you got excited about the new year and you dove into your training plan 
and you're starting to feel the effects. Maybe it's actually even something that you had going on last year and it's, you know, making a comeback again. So all of that to say that, you know, starting out slowly and building progressively and building into Um, your training plan, a lot of rest and recovery and mobility and strength and stretching is going to serve you really well in the long run. So maybe just resist that urge (laughs) that you might be having to pile on a ton of miles right at the beginning. So the rest of this month, I'll spend finishing out or closing out the step challenge. 15,000 steps per day is my personal goal. And I haven't missed a day yet. Knock on wood. Actually, don't knock on wood. (laughs) I don't need to knock on wood because I'm showing up consistently and doing the work. So it's less about luck and more about showing up and do the work. And once February 1st rolls around, then I'm going to start to add in my walk-run training. Again, it's going to be a slow introduction of running so as not to overly stress my tissues too much in the beginning. And some of you listening might be like, that's way too much walking. (laughs) But I want to challenge you on this. Um, Walking has proven to be my secret weapon when it comes to ultras, and it's worth exploring, even though the motions are very similar between running and walking, we're using our muscles in a different way. And if you haven't trained this, it's going to be really difficult to conjure it up on demand. I always go back to a friend of mine who was kind of helping to coach me way back in the day when I was going for my first and second marathon. And he was an Ironman and coached a lot of Ironman athletes. And one of the things he always told me was, don't walk. It'll be harder to restart if you walk. And I agree with that to a certain extent. But when it comes to ultras, and if you're kind of a mid to back of the pack person like me, you want to train walking. Or if you're new to ultras, you want to train this walking. And I agree, if you've always been a runner and you never have taken any walking breaks, it's going to be really hard and really uncomfortable to maybe run 17 miles and then all of a sudden walk (laughs) and then pick back up and run again. So when I write my own training plan and when I work with athletes, I also put in a lot of walking and it usually throws people for a loop, (laughs) but it helps to build a really solid base. It also helps to strengthen all of the structures in the low body and in the core that are only going to help you further on down the line. So if you're listening to this and you're like, nah, she talks way too much about walking. (laughs) This isn't a running podcast. This isn't an ultra podcast. She talks way too much about walking. That's fine. You do you. But I've found walking to be my secret weapon. So test it for yourself. (laughs) That's always my advice to people is they say, well, should I do more walking? And I said, I don't know, maybe you should test it for yourself. And don't just test it for like a day or a week. (laughs) Build it in and actually make use of it. All right, I'm done on my tangent about walking. So when I'm doing intervals, they're going to start out like maybe around two minutes of walking, 30 seconds of running. And again, like there's no, there's no magic number here. I just 
pick a pick something to start with and then build from there and doing it this way also allows me to focus on my running form so if I'm if I'm only running for 30 seconds I really can focus on leaning from the ankles getting a good stride using my hamstrings instead of my quads and hip flexors to do all the work and I'll continue to do intervals for a couple of weeks before I swap out one or two of those for more steady state runs like longer running essentially longer running intervals right I'm just gonna warm up for a little bit And then I'm going to run for a prolonged period of time. And then I'm going to cool down and walk and end, right? And while I'm doing all of this, I'm I'm still going to be using a three up, one down kind of a training load strategy. So that means three weeks of building or ascending mileage or time on my feet, however you're, you're thinking about it, followed by one week of rest or recovery or a low lower mileage week. So three up, one down. That's how I like to be doing that. I've, I've experimented with four up, one down, two up, one down. And I might do some of those at some point during my training year, but I've found that three up, one down works best for me. The other components that I haven't touched on yet are arguably more important. And those are strength training, mobility, rest and recovery. Like I've mentioned them a little bit, but we really haven't, you know, dived into them. And I say these are more important because I feel strongly that this is the phase of training where you need to get into the habit of doing these things and doing them well, not only because they help to give you a good foundation, but also because this is where you're creating the habits that you're going to carry you through your season. And I don't know about you, but I've always found that it's way harder to install a habit or add something new to your training when you're, say, four months in than it is in the very beginning. Because if it's just in the beginning, if it's all part and parcel, if it's all wrapped up in there, it's like, okay, I have to just figure out how to do all of this. And it might not seem that way, like you might like to add things a little bit over time and maybe that works for you, but I like to look at it as, you know, a big pie and in the pie, there's all these different slices. There's running, there's walking, there's strength, there's mobility, there's rest or recovery. And I'm going to, you know, rather than like eating the pie one slice at a time, I'm just going to kind of dig into it. This is like a really weird analogy, <laughs> But like, I'm just going to dig into the center. Like you definitely wouldn't eat a pie this way (laughs) unless you're like a savage, but I digress. Dig into the middle and take a bite that kind of encompasses or, you know, scoops from every slice, every little bit of that. That's how I look at it. Uh, Right now you're at the beginning and you're setting the standard for what's going to happen, what's expected of you and your body when it comes to training. And this is why I touch on this idea of thrashing at the beginning because it's precisely what you're doing. And I think it's worth bringing up here again because this, when you're learning how to incorporate all these things this is when you're going to do the most thrashing, figuring out how you're going to get everything done, what's realistic, what's not, what's sustainable and what's not. And I I know I'm kind of like beating a dead horse here, but now is the time to do this, not when you're three, four, five months into it and you've already filled that extra time with other things. 
I don't know what, I don't know what your other things are, but for me, that would be like spending time with the dogs, doing more reading, doing more working. Like I want to have a clear picture of just how much time this is going to take me. Sometimes when I talk to people about their training, they mention all of these other things that they're doing at the same time, things that actually take up a lot of time. Now, I'm not judging them, but there's only so much time during the day, so many hours, you know, that you can spend doing all these things. And if running your race, whatever your race is, is so important to you, so important for that why, that big reason that you've identified, then you're going to make the time to do the things that support that goal. And if you're filling that time with other things, or if you're doing what my friend Cass calls buffering, then perhaps you have to take a really hard look at your choices. Do you really want to do this race? If you're constantly having your training hijacked by all of your other interests, you're probably thinking that I'm like some sort of psycho that doesn't have a life and runs all the time. And that's simply not true. First and foremost, because my body couldn't handle that. And second, because I've spent years thrashing around, learning what works and what doesn't. And I've watched lots of other runners go through this process from a distance. And when you're not in the middle of it, it's way easier to see what's tripping you up. Like I can see when someone says to me, oh, I I." having trouble fitting in my workouts because of X, Y, and Z. Maybe one or two of those things are ultimately really necessary. Family, kids, work. But then more often than not, some of those things aren't necessary and could be cut back or scaled back or eliminated altogether. And it really brings me back to this idea of what's most important to you, right? Like, We make choices about how we want to spend our time and how we want to spend that time in pursuit of our goals and the experiences that we want to have in life. That's my little rant on how you spend your time. And again, it's not like I'm not shaming anyone. I'm just kind of putting in a plug for having an honest look at how you spend your time, how you want to spend your time and being realistic about your running goals. I want to bring it back to what I was originally starting to talk about, which was all of these other things that should be part and parcel of your training plan. And if you spend all your time early on just running, it should come as no surprise that you're going to start to see aches and pains and injuries popping up. So this is where I put in a super shameless plug for strength and mobility training. (laughs) One of the biggest misconceptions about these two things is that they have to be these epic sessions that take an hour or more when in reality you would actually get benefits from sessions that are as short as five to ten minutes. Not to mention it's probably more sustainable for you and for your schedule. I'll bet that you've got 15 minutes to do some strength training or stretching every single day and if you don't well you might have to go back to (laughs) my earlier rant about how you spend your time. So these days, when it comes to my training, I'm doing all of that walking and working on incorporating short 
strength training sessions a couple days a week, as well as dedicated mobility sessions for things that I know to be kind of my trouble spots, like hips, low back, feet and ankles, And I kind of really want to work on more spinal mobility this year just to keep me, you know, moving well and feeling good in 360 degrees. As I'm working through this thrashing process, that's kind of what I'm doing behind the scenes over here. Just walking, getting up a good rhythm when it comes to my training sessions, trying to really be consistent and disciplined when it comes to this stuff and working out the kinks so that I can get into a rhythm for the rest of the year. So when I talk about putting in the work and in this thrashing phase, it makes me think of this book that I got and I want to read this section to you. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with Jocko Willink, but he has this pretty cool book called Discipline Equals Freedom. And the first part of the book is kind of all of his thoughts about specific topics. And one of the very first pages is called The Way of Discipline. And so I want to read this to you because I think it's really good. People look for shortcuts, the hack. And if you came here looking for that, you won't find it. The shortcut is a lie. The hack doesn't get you there. And if you want to take the easy road, it won't take you to where you want to be. Stronger, smarter, faster, healthier, better, free. To reach goals and overcome obstacles and become the best version of you possible will not happen by itself. It will not happen cutting corners, taking shortcuts, or looking for the easy way. There is no easy way. There is only hard work, late nights, early mornings, practice, rehearsal, repetition, study, sweat, blood, toil, Frustration, discipline, discipline. There must be discipline. Discipline, the root of all good qualities, the driver of daily execution, the core principle that overcomes laziness and lethargy and excuses. Discipline defeats the infinite excuses that say, not today, not now, I need a rest, I will do it tomorrow. What's the hack? How do you become stronger, smarter, faster, and healthier? How do you become better? How do you achieve true freedom? There is only one way, the way of discipline. So I think that really illustrates this thrashing phase, right? You're trying to establish some discipline around what it is that you want to do the route that you're going to take, the plan that's needed, and all of these other elements, all the other components of your training plan and how you're going to get it done. Is it going to require early mornings, late nights, adjustments to your schedule? Are you going to have to really go through some blood, sweat, and tears to get this done? And if you can establish that discipline early on, it's going to take root and it's going to make the training that much easier further down the line. I talked a lot about, you know, training plans and how I'm actually going to execute some of this stuff. 
But now I kind of want to talk about the mindset piece of it. And, you know, we're early on in the training for 2021. And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little worried about my ability to do these races. (laughs) Even though I've done some of them before, when you take an extended period of time off like I did, it's inevitable that you'll have some self-doubt. And that's going to show up throughout the training program. But I think that you're most vulnerable in the beginning because you've just started or, you know, started again. And you might not have a lot of evidence in your past to show that you can definitely do it. And this is something that we do a lot. We say, I can't do it strictly because you haven't done it before. And even if you have, and it's been a long time, I still think at for me at least, that there's that little bit of self-doubt that creeps in there and you think, well, it was a fluke. (laughs) It was a one-time thing. I won't be able to replicate that. And what I said in my live stream in my Facebook group this morning was going through this process of showing up, doing the work is like putting money in the bank and you're building up this cash of confidence in yourself that you're capable of showing up and doing the work. And when you do that consistently, that it's going to pay off in the form of getting to the next level in your fitness and in your strength and in your mobility. And that is part of the process. Actually, talking about the process is something that I want to touch on here as well. Enjoying the process of training. Some people really enjoy it. Others just want to get to race day and get the thing over with. (laughs) And that definitely used to be me. I definitely didn't enjoy the process of training, especially when it was my first, second, you know, my the beginning stages of my marathon training. But then somewhere along the way, it switched over and I really started to enjoy the process. And I personally believe that if you're into ultras, you've got to love the process (laughs) because otherwise, um, to be frank, it's going to suck. There's a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of output that goes into training for ultra. And if you can't enjoy the process, it's going to be hard to keep doing it over and over again. And this is kind of what I shared in my last episode. The key to being successful in ultras relies on your ability to show up and do the work even when you don't want to. (laughs) This is directly tied to that quote that I read just now about discipline. And it's the key to being successful. And typically what I found in my, I guess, highly unscientific research, which basically consists of talking to a lot of people at ultra races about themselves and their process for training for ultras, is that those who are successful with ultras have a lot of confidence in themselves. And I don't mean that they're arrogant or egotistical. What I mean is that they have built up a track record of showing up, doing the work, and in turn, they've got a little bank of self-confidence that they can draw from whenever they need. It's something that fuels them when they're faced with a challenge or something that they've never done before or 
they don't know if they can do, but what they do know is that they're not afraid to show up and do the work and they're relentless. They know that they're going to complete the task. They might not be the first. They might in fact be the last, but they're confident that once they've set their mind to it, it's basically as good as done. So part of all of this thrashing at the beginning of your training season is this process of showing up to do the work and building that bank of self-confidence that you can draw from to stay motivated to keep going. So it's much easier to keep going once you've built momentum than it is to start and stop and start and stop and start and stop again and again and again. That's super draining. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I've done that to myself in the past and it's it's super draining. It's it's why people don't succeed with New Year's resolutions, you know, and by the end of the first month, they've started and stopped a million times. So if you can establish a really simple cadence, build momentum, put money in the self-confidence bank, it's going to get way easier. So my guess is that there are lots of you out there that are like me, just getting started on your training for the year, kind of working out the kinks, finding your groove, picking the strategies that work for your schedule and finding ways to streamline and be more efficient. Some days are going to be super smooth and other days are going to feel like you're just getting pummeled. (laughs) I've definitely had a few days already this year where just stuff's coming at you from all angles. But I want to just kind of leave you with this idea that it's all feeding up to that bigger goal of running farther, faster, and stronger. So whether you're still clicking along at a good pace and things are going well, or you've already started and stopped and started again once, twice, or three times, I want to just encourage you to keep at it. In my opinion, this is the hardest phase, so don't give up. And if you want a little help or encouragement, or if you're one of those people that just needs a good old-fashioned kick in the ass, (laughs) reach out. Let me know. I'm happy to help. So that's a little bit about what I'm doing currently for my training, and I'm going to keep you guys updated as well as maybe share some resources, some videos, and some workouts and stuff that you can start to incorporate into your thrashing phase, um, especially when it comes to strength and mobility, because my guess is that maybe you're not as good with those as you are with showing up to run all the miles. Okay. So that's my super secret superpower is to help people do that stuff. So that's all for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. Keep thrashing, enjoy this beat, and I'll see you next time. (laughs) 